Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. Forgive me for chuckling. Um, <laughs> we learned why there's a pulpit and a lectern, because the pastor will put all this stuff over here. Everybody else works off of there. Tommy just walked off with my sermon. She's welcome to preach it if she wants. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but this is online church. <laughs> so it must be a theme for this year. I find myself being drawn back to our Old Testament text, and maybe... Some of it is just because of daily prayer. I keep trying, I feel, I feel this burden to try to put some sense around what is happening in this text that just simply are not as familiar to us. Now, this morning's Old Testament text might be a, a hair more familiar, but maybe we're more, we're more used to the stories of Moses than we are to the stories of Joshua. And so we get this story from Joshua today. And in our reading, we actually read the very last chapter of the book of Joshua, and it is the end of Joshua's life. If you go back a chapter, in chapter 23, as it wraps it up, the narrator describes Joshua, this great warrior, describes him as old and well-advanced in years. And then Joshua turns to the people and says, I am now old and well-advanced in years. Both the narrator and Joshua agree on this point. His life is at an end. And Joshua himself says, now I am about to go the way of the earth, which I think, by the way, is a beautiful way to describe um, the process of coming to terms with one's own mortality and preparing to die. And this is what Joshua is up to. He has led the people through conquests from the, uh, from the River Jordan. He has led them. He has tried to keep faith. He has tried to manage all of this as a, as a government bureaucrat. And I mean that in a positive way. He is responsible for seeing Israel become a nation in their own land. And here at this final chapter, he is giving his farewell address to the people. This entire book has been about Israel's first steps in learning how to be a nation. In the books of Moses, Moses writes, it, it, it's, it's more, it seems, like a spiritual struggle. They're wandering in the wilderness and they're trying to learn how to trust God when nearly nothing is certain around them. Moses has a very spiritual feel. It's a little easier for us to wrap our arms around it. <clears throat> but Joshua might be described, as he comes in the footsteps of Moses, as spirituality applied. Sometimes we just want to stay in the wilderness, and what happens in the wilderness, God says, here's what I want you to do, and we actually have to do these things, and that is what falls to Joshua, is moving from preparation, which was the wilderness, to being in the land of Canaan. And this story then, because they have to do it, is full of military conquest, it's full of governmental support, city planning, and the like, which is part of the reason why it's not nearly as interesting a read as Moses' text, but it is just as important. And there are stories in here, for instance, at the very beginning of the book, we, and you know well the story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, that they win not because of their military conquest, but because they blew trumpets and they were obedient to God. Later on in the chapter, they watch as, 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 uh, as God had stopped the sun in the sky, literally had kept it from moving so that the battle that they were engaged in could continue so that the victory could be won. The nation had watched Joshua divvy up the land to all the 12 tribes, which included land for a person not of Israel, the famous and forgotten Caleb. 
the only one who was faithful to go forward and who said, we can do this with God's help, even when the rest of the nation said, we can't go into that land, it's too many big people, we can't do that. So it's filled with these beautiful, wonderful stories. And as it comes to an end, just as Moses, their liberator, had addressed the people before his passing and gave words for the people to live by, so Joshua, their great military commander and governor, will speak to his people, saying both goodbye and offering his own final call to faithfulness. It is a fraught time when Joshua comes to this point for the people of Israel. They are no longer a baby nation. Sometimes it's easier to be immature. Sometimes it's easier to be young and promising. They were young by the standards of other nations, but they were no longer able to claim the naivete of not knowing what this new land would hold. They had spent years in it. They kind of knew what was up now. And now they have to figure out how to actually live in it, not just conquer it. And having come into the land and set it up so that folks were cared for and established, they had to, they had to divvy out the land. So people are on the land, but neither are they firmly settled. Anyone who has bought a farm will tell you it's a one thing to own land. It's another thing to have that land serve you back. It's a lot of work. And this is where Israel finds itself. Their past, as they look behind them, is full of heroes and lessons. But the questions that they face now are serious and urgent about who is going to move the nation forward in a faithful way. They know God had been faithful, but, God, but will God be faithful moving forward? Massive change and lack of clarity is the theme of the moment. Because they find themselves that is in a place neither here nor there. As I read these words, I couldn't help but think how familiar this sounds for our moment right now. We may not be a military leader, we may not be a baby nation, and we may not be in the midst of some large conquest, but the idea of being perpetually stuck in the middle of not, be, not quite being here or there, feels so authentic and real in this moment. Personally, I've always been more of a Moses guy than a Joshua person myself, but reading the end of Joshua just spoke to my soul this week. And maybe it's because this week has just been so exhausting for so many of us. I've just felt my body clenched with the tension that we're all feeling right now. An election of any kind has us thinking about what has been, and then it introduces all this kind of uncertainty about, well, what's going, to happen, what's going to happen moving forward? Are we sure that things are going to be good? It wouldn't matter the result. Just saying, what, what does the future look like? Elections do this, and this is the moment we found ourselves in all week long. I've spoken day after day and prayed with folks who are between these two poles of health that they remember and sickness which they're facing now and not sure what their future is going to look like. Further, for us as a congregation, I'm just really feeling the burden and the weight as we do the work of tirelessly trying to get things prepared for our return in just a few weeks. Looking backwards and saying, yes, this is all that we have been, but you know what? What is going forward going to look like? Like, things have changed. That's just the truth of it. I'm feeling it as a parent and a husband. I mean, I've got three kids now that aren't babies, neither are they adults. In whatever way. We are leaving back there, but we aren't quite ready for that yet. Stuck in the middle, all of us. These in-between spaces, whatever they look like for us, they have a name 
in our culture. And they are called liminal spaces. Liminal spaces where we are neither here nor there. There are moments in our lives that neither are we what we were nor are we yet what we shall be. The great theologian of our time, Richard Rohr, describes liminal spaces in this way. He says, it is when you have left the tried and true, but have not yet been able to replace it with anything else. It is when you are between your old comfort zone and, 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 and any possible new answer. At our best, we can identify wherever we are, that we are leaving something familiar and moving to something new filled with possibility. But these moments are spiritually fraught because liminal space can create a huge amount of anxiety. And if we're not prepared for that, if we're not trained for that, if we're not formed to sort of live in the unknowing of our moment, then we can find ourselves twisting and writhing, willing to do anything to get rid of this cloud of uncertainty that we find ourselves in. But if we can hold it, if we can understand that liminal spaces are not a disruption of our life, but are rather the progression of our life, then we may yet discover that liminal spaces are spiritually fruitful space. And we won't go into a long dissertation today, but most of our scriptural narrative from Genesis all the way up through Revelation is really is, is written out of a liminal space. It is neither here nor there. There is always something about being in the middle in all of our scriptures. We are in good company when we find ourselves neither here nor there. Even some of our most favorite and most uplifting passages in Scripture are directly aimed at this sort of reality. The Apostle John, in one of his letters, says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory, what was past, to another. There's another thing coming. He's saying our whole discipleship walk is about bouncing from space to space, being in between, in between, in between. And so Richard Rohr implores us again, he says, we have to allow ourselves to be drawn out of business as usual and remain patiently on the threshold where we are betwixt and between the familiar and the completely unknown. This is a good space where genuine newness can begin. It is the realm where God can best get at us because our false certitudes are finally out of the way. He says, this is the sacred space where the old world is able to fall apart and a bigger, more beautiful world is revealed. And then he gives us this warning. He says, if we don't encounter liminal space in our lives, we start idolizing normalcy. So Joshua, the wise leader, who is one of the few remaining at this point in Israel's history who has experienced the entirety of, of God's move from Egypt all the way to the promised land, who had experienced the wilderness and the uncertainty of conquest, who has been molded, molded and hardened in the liminal spaces of Israel's existence, gives us in chapter 24 a way to think about our in-between spaces. The first thing Joshua does is he reconnects with his most fundamental realities. Step one in a, in a liminal space. Reconnect with your most fundamental realities. Liminal spaces does not mean abandoning our past. 
It does mean sometimes that our past is ended. It doesn't mean that we abandon it or forget it. And this comes to us very, very in, in, in a really sneaky way. I know the geography of the Bible can be frustrating and confusing at times, and anyone who has lay-read for any amount of time knows how frustrating it is to have a whole list of names. But it is significant to us that it tells us right at the beginning, Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. Shechem is this, Israel's always coming back through Shechem, and why? Shechem was the place where Abraham, once upon a time, heard the words of God, to your offspring I will give this land. To your offspring I will give this land. And so it is significant. They come back to the place where they had heard God say, this will be your land. And then in this place, Joshua gives a speech and he walks through the history of what God has done. He says, do not forget, recommit, reconnect with your most fundamental stories. He doesn't skip steps. He goes through everything. It's actually tedious reading. But the point is, do not forget the details of what God has done in your life. And he says, I have have given you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. God said, I gave you all this land and here is, and you are the beneficiaries of this. You have been loved. Everything is a gift. Which means God has been faithful, and in that memory, we can take some hope. What it does is shrink Israel's sense of self. It shrinks Israel's sense of importance that somehow they have to create the reality for themselves. No, no, no. It rather enlarges the sense that God is leading, God has a purpose, and God is moving us to a good place. So as you think about your liminal spaces, where are the touchstones in your life? Where are the places to which you can return to remember um, that God is unmistakably present in your life? That can help root you in God's presence and purposes for your life, even when everything else is in motion. Reconnect with your most fundamental realities. The second thing Joshua does is he faces the decisions in front of them with clarity. Face the decisions in front of you with clarity. Having connected to God's story and how God has been present, Joshua calls to them and he says the obvious part out loud, which sometimes, church, we have a hard time saying the obvious thing out loud. Joshua says, here's what I want you to do. Fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But, he says, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the God of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the God of the Amorites in whose land you are living. This is a remarkable statement. He's not forcing them to do anything. He says, here's the decision you have to make. You're either going to serve our God or you're going to serve the gods that have been given to us. What's it going to be? He just faces it and says, y'all, this is what is in front of us. And then he makes a decision, not for everyone, but for himself. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I absolutely love the honesty with this. It's not spiritual manipulation. You know, you better do this or things are going to go bad. Rather, he just says, if you're God's people, then this is what you're going to do. If you're not God's people, then then do whatever it is you want to do. But make the choice. Make a choice and walk in that way. 
Because if you don't, you will always be waffling. You will always be going back and forth. This liminal space will have you turned upside down like a wave in the ocean. And you'll go neither this way nor that way. In liminal spaces, yes, be comfortable with uncertainty. But there are things we can do to say, here is the path we will walk. Faith, health, family, commitments that matter most to us, buy into them. Say, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is where I'm headed. And say it out loud. Face the decisions in front of you with clarity. And then finally, mark the occasion. Churches, we got to be a lot better about celebrating the decisions that we do make. And this is something I've got, oh, I've got to get better at as a leader. But mark the occasion. Moving forward through liminal spaces introduces anxiety with every step. Every time we do something new, we're like, I don't know if that's going to work. Uh, okay, oh, okay, we made it this far. Now we got to take another step. I don't know if that's going to work. This, is, this has been our experience. Every step comes with anxiety, and every moment feels like an invitation, where if there's just a little more fear, we're like, you know what? That's a step too far. I'm going back. The people, because they know this about themselves, I'll give Israel credit for this, the people know this about itself, and it says, therefore, that they took a large stone and set it up there under the oak tree near the place of the Lord. And then Joshua says, see, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the Lord's, all the words, excuse me, the Lord has said to us, it will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. They make a monument. They put up the stone and say, this stone is a way that we are going to mark and remember the decisions that we have made to serve our God. And when we do that, there is something tangible that keeps us true to our own decisions. Our memories keep us connected to what God has done and will do. But sometimes when we mark the occasion, it is a reminder to us about the things that we have said we will do so that we can walk in faithfulness. And there are lots of ways to do this. You can, you can create yourself a thing, and that's part of the reason why we keep things. We keep pictures, we keep items and mementos. They do remind us of the decisions that we made. But sometimes just writing something down, actually putting pen to paper and saying, this is what I've committed to do, or this is the way that I'm going to walk. Maybe create something. Even just telling a trusted person. Just say, hey, here's the space where I'm at right now. I'm not certain about where I'm going, but here is what I'm going to do. And letting that person on occasion bear witness back to you about how you are succeeding in that and where your path may need to change. Sometimes even just telling someone, saying, hey, here's where I'm at, is a way for us to mark the occasion. But when we mark the occasion, it makes us accountable to the decisions that we've made. Does this take away the uncertainty? No. I've had a lot of liminal spaces in my life. It doesn't take it away, but it gives us a way to keep one foot in front of the other. And friends, as a congregation, as a community, as individuals, we are all facing liminal spaces, some large, some small, all of them rife with the opportunity for us to grow in our faith. If we simply take some steps, trusting that God is present, trusting that he honors the decisions that we make, having some clarity about our decisions and making that best decision that we can, marking it and moving forward, God will walk with us.
It almost hardly doesn't seem to matter what the decisions that we make are. As long as we make those decisions in faithfulness, remembering God's goodness, and pursue God's faithfulness, we will be okay. And so I want to invite us. And Dot, if you want to maybe throw up some background music for me, just a little bit of whatever the hymn's going to be, you could just start, and then we'll start singing when it's time to do it. But I'm going to invite you just to take a moment to practice and to observe this. To just stop for a second and say, where am I in between? Not what I was, but neither what I will be. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's faith. I know it's this congregation and what we're, what we're trying to do as a community of faith. Just name the liminal spaces in our lives. Face them with clarity. Name them. Whatever those liminal spaces are for you, remember God's faithfulness that has brought you thus far by faith. Remember the stories, remember the moments, remember the people that when everything around you was uncertain, God said, I have you. Reconnect with your memories, reconnect with your stories, do not let them go. Come to them with some sense of detail. Don't leave details out. Don't forget even the small things that God has done in your life. And then holding these stories and holding your situation, even in unknowing, say, what is the thing that is facing me? Is there a decision that needs to be made? Is there wisdom that needs to be sought out? Is there an action that needs to happen in your life? Name it out loud with clarity. Be as clear as you possibly can. Even if there is no obvious way forward, you know, if you're struggling with something health-wise and there's not much that you can do, maybe the answer is simply, I need to trust God with my body. Just name it out loud. Say what the decision is. Not to spiritually manipulate, not to force anything upon yourself. Just be clear about where God has brought you to this day. leave this for later. You can think about this a little bit, but find a way to mark this occasion. How will you mark it? Are you a journaler? Write it down. I've tried to be a journaler my whole life, just can't quite get there. But sometimes writing things down does make them real for us. Is there someone you can tell? Is there a place where you can simply put this? Is there a thing that needs to be more prominent in your life, just as a reminder, not as an idol, not as some talisman, but just an item that reminds you the thing that is in front of you. Mark the occasion. And when we take all of this, bundle it up, set it on the altar of God, we can back away in some sense. We could say, Lord, this is, this is for you. Walk with me. 
and let us have faith and trust that this time is spiritually fruitful. We will grow. We will love more. We will hope more. Our faith will grow in these spaces that are limited.